The world as we know it has fundamentally changed. What was once considered the future of work is here now. We are operating in an all-digital, work-from-anywhere world. More and more consumers are supporting brands that align with their personal values. It's the values-driven firms that will rebound sooner and grow faster in this new world. Salesforce has partnered with Singapore Community Radio to bring you this podcast. We want to explore the opportunities and the challenges of this new world. We want to talk about the ways in which we will work going forward, how businesses can be a platform for change, and how technology will continue to impact the world. We have some amazing thought leaders, executives, and community advocates joining us, and we hope it sparks some inspiration and innovation for you. To learn more about us, you can head to our blog at salesforce.com slash ap slash blog. I'm Simone Heng, and today we have co-founder and CEO of Hula, Stuart Thornton, joining us. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Simone. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so happy to see someone's eyes. Yes, indeed. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. And a uh, little bit more of the body as well. Yeah, it's, it's, a bit, but do you, it's a bit discombobulating. And we are talking about digital transformation today, but there is something about the in-person human connection, yes. uh, which is quite great. Absolutely. Well, and we've missed that you know, over the last sort of eight, nine months, uh, especially, I think, in our business. It's, you know, we, we thrive on people engagement uh, internally and externally, of course, dealing with merchants and consumers and, uh, and partners. And it's, uh, it, it's been a, a challenging time, I think, this year, but uh, we've definitely survived. Well, I'm so, so glad that the customer is obviously at the centre of everything you do, just like with Salesforce as well. So that's a really good start because I would love to hear about what Hula does in a way that everyone could understand. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll uh, make it pretty simple. I mean, uh, you know, in any good business opportunity, it's all around solving a problem, right? And uh, and the, any retailer has a number of sort of challenges, but the sort of four critical problems that they suffer from is getting customers to come to the store, getting them to actually buy, getting them to perhaps put a little bit more in that basket, and of course, getting them to come back mm -hmm. um, and, and sort of buy again. And Hula, really, what we do is to solve all those four problems for, for our merchants. And what we've built is a, what we call a buy now, pay later platform, which kind of connects merchants and you know, consumers together um, and offering a, an interest-free repayment uh, solution that allows consumers to basically split their, split their payments into, into three over a 60-day period, which is great because it aligns to consumers' Um, salary payments, it, it's, uh, it aligns to their budgeting, especially if you're like me and I'm a, a big budgeter. And it really has sort of helped, I think, a lot of people, especially at this time when you know, sort of money is uh, and, and pricing of anything that people are buying are probably uh, something that concerns them. So where does this story to create this business arise from? Because you are the co-founder. Mm. What were you doing before? And where, where was the moment you got the idea for Hula? Yeah, it's a lovely question. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, actually still very fresh in the, in the memory as well, actually. You know, it was, uh, That's always nice. We like fresh. Exactly, Good. yes. And uh, it, tw 2016, it was um, just sort of sitting at, uh, at work. I worked for a you know, wonderful payments company. I you know, so thoroughly enjoyed what I was doing. But uh, it was quite interesting because we'd hear a lot of our merchants, big, big retailers, for example, um, they're not sort of complaining, but they think, you know, how can you help us to achieve those four um, outcomes or uh, solve those four problems that I alluded to um, earlier on? And, you know, we, we could do some, you know, fantastic things, but we didn't necessarily have a, a sustainable sort of solution to, to, to sort of solve those four problems. And then we started to see 
um, this sort of buy now, pay later model start to grow in Europe, for example, in in Australia. In Australia, I mean, Afterpay was you know the the sort killing of killing it, killing it, and uh, <laughs> and sort of leading the way. Um, and now, of course, you're sort of seeing a few a few companies do that. I mean, back in 2016, sort of first thinking about this, you know, the idea, and it took a couple of years really to to start to you know really. Uh, think about actually starting to launch this business um, in Asia, but it was what a wonderful part of the world to do that, right? I was going to say, you must have been like, how has anyone not already done this? Which is obviously the biggest turn on about being an entrepreneur is when you mm. get those ideas, like why is no one occupying this niche? Yeah. Um, but secondly, you have lived in Asia for so long and were already in, uh, you had a payments background. Yep. So you were at the perfect intersection. Did you feel like the luckiest man on the earth? Well, I did wonder <laughs> to your point, you know, asking the question, you know, why, uh, why has no, no one sort of really done this? And, and the, in reality, um, you know, Asia, because of this sort of beautiful, you know, part of the world that we, that we live in, it's not uh, an easy place uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to payments or, or anything related to technology because every single country is very yes. different. And that ultimately you know, creates both the, uh, the challenge but also a wonderful opportunity if you can, um, if you can solve that. And that's really where the, the, the light bulb moment of you know, bringing this sort of solution to this part of the world but also then considering how we could go and solve that based on the experience you know, that we had as a team. And, uh, and, and that really was the... The sort of coming together of everything and uh, it was it was an exciting time uh, when the light bulb uh, flickered on <laughs> oh speaking of this region as well obviously the the amount of eyeballs the, the the population size of southeast asia is amazing but you've touched on something that when i've done other shows for different networks and i've interviewed entrepreneurs southeast asia is not a one-size-fits-all solution by any means mm. every market even though geographically we're close together is so diverse mm. different languages um different economic development which means some markets have leapfrogged in different technologies where are you going with hula in the region next yeah. and where are you already yeah. um, and how do you manage to, uh, do you foresee tackling some of those issues yeah absolutely it's a, a super question and and Listen, again, it comes back to the very beginning. You know, we, we looked at the, the whole region of, uh, of Asia rather than just sort of Southeast Asia um, and, uh, and any other sort of part of, uh, part of the region. Um, and, you know, we, that was really the sort of intention was to bring this, you know, to a multitude of different people, um, consumers and retailers across, um, across, this, uh, across the region. And, um, you know, we, we sort of started off in Singapore. We were all, you know, majority of us were based based here. It's a very sort of easy place, I think, to sort of set up a business. To, Asia for beginners. It like is. A, it, Dubai uh, is the Middle East for beginners. Uh, you know, absolutely. It is, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it was, you know, you have technology here. There was, um, uh, there was sort of capital, venture capital opportunities here, you know, great talent, for example. And, you know, of course, we were based here. So we knew the market. It was quite, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but it was easier to do mm -hmm. that um, here. I mean, it became a really sort of fantastic sort of market for us to um, to sort of launch this product and to to refine you know what we wanted to achieve. Um, but then we started sort of seeing the demand from other merchants uh, or merchants our merchants in general uh, looking for this in in other markets. So, you know, Malaysia being obviously sort of reasonably uh, geographically close, that was a fantastic opportunity for us to to go into that market and. You know, it's been wonderfully received, I think, by brands and, and by, uh, by stores and by also by the consumers in that particular market because of the, the fundamental solution and how it fits into um, how it fits into that sort of cultural um, way of living. Um, Hong Kong, uh, we launched there you know, back in October, and that was a fantastic opportunity for us as well, because um, it very much is the sort of home of retail where a lot of the brands, you know, position mm -hmm. themselves because of its proximity to China, uh, China and some of their sort of manufacturing resources. 
Um, and now it's uh, we've we've done those three markets. We've ticked those boxes. Now what next? You know, we start to again look at the um, demand from our merchants and where they're wanting us to go. And what we're sort of seeing is, I mean, Southeast Asia obviously is uh, um, is where they're sort of most interested to try and expand. And now and then it's looking at those markets and you know what what can we do now? What can mm -hmm. we do later? What makes sense? And I'm um, starting to look at those uh, those sort of different opportunities. Thailand is one that um, you know we've uh, we've just sort of set up our uh, our, our uh, entity there so uh, that's sort of quite exciting so hula group thailand now mm. exists we've got um philippines um coming up soon as well so that's sort of very exciting for us to go yeah we're talking markets. huge population mm. sizes but also as a, you know an asian a global asian person myself it must be fascinating seeing the different spending habits or the different things people in different markets want mm. to spend money on. Yeah. Have you come across anything that's really interesting versus how we spend here in Singapore? Yeah, a, l a little bit. Um, I mean, uh, and we know we know that there's differences, you know, by market as well. You mm. know, the average transaction values, for example, that people or the amount of money they spend, um, you know, on items, you know, generally what they're actually sort of buying as well definitely sort of changes. Um, there are some fundamentals, though, right? Uh, you know, especially the the Gen Z and millennial, you know, consumer groups. Um, they're very much in this sort of way of seeing now and buy and wanting now yeah. and buy and buying now. And really, that's where we're sort of making sure that that's a little bit more um, achievable, but also responsible in, in that sort of uh, you know mentality. So their parents are really you know happy with them as as well from that perspective. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting. I think you know, COVID had its own sort of influence in terms of what people bought. Um, different markets definitely sort of shift in terms of you know, the kind of brands that they're interested in. Um, in Malaysia, we have a lot of modest fashion, for example, mm -hmm. and that's you know very you know, it's very popular. Um, companies like Fashion Valley, which is which is huge in in the Malaysian market. Um, but you know, here perhaps there's a the, the transaction value is slightly higher. Maybe you're mm -hmm. seeing a little bit more electronics, for example. Um, and in Malaysia, it's perhaps a little bit more fashion-driven. But generally, you know, we we apply we are applied to a whole plethora of different of sort of um, you know verticals, and and that's really the you know the interesting fun part of the business because it's then lifestyle. You know, that's how yes. we sort of present ourselves as a lifestyle um, you know partner to consumers and. You know, I, what's lifestyle? It could mean many things to, to, to many people. So I noticed that was really interesting on your website it, it, is that lifestyle element. You actually, it goes from explaining the hula concept into actually listing uh, vendors that mm. or, or merchants that have types with you. Can you explain a little bit about that? Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's for, for us, um, you know, the intention for us is to promote the, you know, the brand that we're working with. You know, we want them to sell their story to the consumer. And so a big part of what we do is, you know, driving that consumer, for example, into that sort of store directory that we have. Um, and then, you know, giving people the choice of something that they might want to want to buy. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about sort of placing, uh, you know, pricing, for example, next to next to each other. It's almost like a shopping mall. You know, when you walk into a store, you know, you see all the different brands and the different uh, store designs. You know, that's what we're trying to you know, help come alive and, and create, um, you know, in a sort of an omni-channel environment, which is, uh, you know, sort of a, a lot of fun actually trying to uh, yeah, create that experience. Really in line with what we're talking about today and what is the future of how we use different means of digital platforms to further mm. our business. So Correct. you touched on something really interesting before about millennials and uh, responsibility and how parents like that. And mm. Hula has something called responsible affordability. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's interesting, this space, you know, we've sort of seen it quite a lot, you know, the, the lending space, for example, you know, it can be quite aggressive around uh, the business models, you know, making money um, from, you know, people going into default or, or experiencing mm. bad debt. 
I mean, when we looked at building this business, you know, right from the very beginning, you know, responsible affordability was the, I guess, the value that we wanted to create. It sits in our, um, it, it sits in our vision statement for the business. is is something that we want to. You uh, actually want people to pay you back. You, correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. We, we actually to... we don't want people to get into into debt. Actually, it's it's. Um, disadvantageous for us as a business and our business model for actually that to happen and so really taking that in a more sustainable approach I think um, you know to sort of shopping and, and buying and I think it's important in this day and age to you know to go down that um, go down that path and it's a lovely alignment sometimes as well to certain merchants who are also you know looking to um, you know position that out into the market so you know, w when we look at responsible affordability for us, it's very much, you know, making sure that there's an education um, aspect mm -hmm. around it. It should be on us to be able to go and educate the consumer around that, not necessarily, you know, from a merchant perspective. It's making sure that they're using Hula responsibly, you know, in that way. Um, and how we do that is through you know, so technology, for example. You know, we can, we can make sure that, um, you know, uh, when we're looking at a consumer's experience or consumer's behaviour, AI prompts and co correct, and we can make sure that they're you know they're being looked after in that sort of context. And we also make sure that post the transaction, that if people do get in that position, we listen to them. We want to you know make sure again that um, you know we're communicating with them. Communication is just really important with it as well. And we and I think that's where it's contributed, I think, to our success and and some of the consumer um, feedback that we've had you know in the last sort of two three years. Well, you mentioned before as well alignment in terms of it is a business with a mission effectively mm -hmm. then because there's an education component. Yeah. Is there any alignment with your own values and your own story as to why you wanted to create Hula? Oh, crikey, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> Do tell. Uh, yes. Um, you know, when I was sort of growing up in, 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 uh, in the UK, um, you know, my father had his, had his own business and, um, you know, we went through the good times, we went through the you know, not so good times. And uh, I think, you know, there's probably a couple of things to draw from that. You know, one, obviously going through that entrepreneurial journey. Oh, so know, he was a business myself. owner as well. He, yeah, he had his own, uh, he had his own sort of company. And at the same time, you know, he was always very sort of vigilant with his, his money. You know, we were always sort of very frugal. And uh, I think that probably had a, a knock on effect. Although my mother, in, in sort of contrast, you know, when my dad wasn't listening, would be, oh, go on, Stuart, you know, it's all right. You know, it's okay to, it's okay to want something nice and, uh, and go and sort of treat, <laughs> treat yourself. So it was, uh, you know, if they listen to this, I'm in trouble. But it's quite funny, you know, uh, I think, look, thinking back about that. And I think a lot of that discipline has very much come into, you know, how we've sort of positioned this. It is... Again, you know, being frugal, being responsible, but also it's okay to want some things every now and again and, and just make sure you're, you're responsible about how you go about doing that. Your dad sounds like my mother. My, I, I don't think my dad was like that, but my mum was very much like that. And I never, this has been a fascinating journey um, just talking to you about Hello because I've never even owned a credit card, still not to this day. And um, when I went to buy my first property, the bank manager in Australia said like, what is your credit history? And I said, uh, I don't have any. And he's like, what are you, a soprano? What do you mean you got no credit history? So, but I've managed to outlive the credit card if solutions like Hula around, yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so that I'm going to call my mum up in Australia and say, I outlived that payment solution yeah. and there are new things now, mum. Absolutely. And um, you can use a debit card with Hula, which is which is interesting, right? So you, you can still use those sorts of your own cash, but you can, again, yeah. be responsible over that period of time and, and spread that payment over. And uh, I think from that perspective alone, it, it creates so much flexibility and freedom for 
you know the sort of younger generation and, and being able to have that sort of um yeah that free freedom ultimately to go and enjoy their lives but again do it responsibly and uh mm-hmm. you know as my, my sort of father would always say you know do you want this or do you do you need this and uh, that <laughs> rings in my ears almost every day i think as well but do you have your own kids now i have uh, a daughter yes and yeah. do you say things like that to oh her? actually i'm a terrible <laughs> father i'm uh, i've definitely turned into my dad it's uh no that's not terrible at all <laughs> i think um when i was living in in dubai in, in the middle east there were a lot of people yeah and we were all very young the average age of a person is 27 and we um I remember the spending a lot of my friends from the UK and things like that and because I had an Asian upbringing I was much more mindful I think culturally about money and they would leave with debt from Mm. that experience rather than it's a tax-free environment like let's make Mm. the most of it and so I realized that financial education in whatever way it comes from a user a young user learning about financial responsibility Mm. from the Hula interface, or to you saying it directly to your daughter, is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and listen, I think it's it's the responsibility of uh, in our generation to make sure we do sort of pass that through. And uh, you know, I, I was certainly benefited from it. I think in my life, you know, with my parents, and uh, it's just important. I think that I give that to my uh, my daughter and I make her, her sort of proud, but also a bit of education on the side as well. So it must be huge job satisfaction too, well, versus working for an organisation. If you create a company that is serving a purpose, how does that? She must light up up, up inside when she sees how fulfilled you are. Absolutely, and I, it has made a difference, I think, in that you know because it, uh, you know, I've had I've had a, a good career, and you know, I've enjoyed you know where I've worked and the people I've worked with. But you know, when you are creating something by yourself and you're building something, it is inc- incredibly. Uh, um, fulfilling I think from that perspective and she it does show in I think the relationship that I have with uh, you know with my daughter in that sort of context and that and nothing makes me happier with some of the photos I've got where she's wearing the hula t-shirt you know like the one I'm wearing oh, that's you know t- t- today and, and she's sort of so proud of it and you know so she comes on the sort of tv screen or something and I'm chatting to her on skype and uh you know, she's wearing the T-shirt because she's speaking to her dad. That's uh, that's quite wonderful, actually, I must say. Well, that actually raised a really good point. What does hula mean? To another wonderful uh, qu- question. <laughs> nice uh, segue there. Yeah, that's what, beautifully done. Um, there, there is a story behind it, um, and it uh, there is a you know a, some meaning behind it. I think, which was the most important thing. We did we did a, when we sort of sat down and we we thought about what we wanted to you know call our baby, so to speak. You know, it was it had to be something which I think was. You know, we could use it as vernacular you know it was we we want we'd love to hear people going on you're going to hula it for example is a is a wonderful mm-hmm. you know outcome of uh, you know that means responsible yeah, make it into a verb yeah exactly exactly so that was sort of one of the important things um and we wanted it to have some meaning i think as well to you know to what we were doing and uh, i remember the time of sort of just going through loads of sort of words and, and what have you that had some bearing in terms of what we were doing and uh, and then you know the next step is um, we wanted to try and sort of again make it a little bit more localized. So we looked at all this of different languages, for example, that existed, uh, you know, in, uh, in in Asia, and sort of see if there was a, 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 a fit. And if there was, then you know we had to go and find out if the domain was uh, available as well, which was sort of uh, you know quite good fun. And of course, we also wanted to make sure that we weren't upsetting someone that if. You know, if and when we move into a new market, uh, you know, that we it would be able to you know sort of translate like, quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know we we sort of chanced upon uh, and I'm going to ter- terrible. My, my Chinese is awful. Oh, at mine the best is of time. awful too. My Han Yupinian pronunciation is terrible. Yeah. Anyway, we'll both give it a go. We're, Absolutely, we're, but yeah. uh, the, the, apparently the word in Chinese for uh, later is uh, holai, and uh, and basically that's where sort of hula was derived from. So. 
Uh, we sort of, uh, you know, Googleized nice. the O's and uh, yeah. put nature on the end to sort of frame it nicely and it became Hula. And uh, I think, um, you know, the feedback that we got instantly was was very, very sort of uh, very positive from, uh, you know, merchants, from mm-hmm. from consumers as well. We did a lot of uh, consumer research in uh, Jurong and uh, and, uh, and Bugis, for example, to try and sort of see if people, you know, resonate, it resonated with you know, with the sort of potential consumers. Did, did Mandarin speakers connect it between? Um, no, the, the, although uh, I think obviously the La was, uh, yeah. it was a bit more sort of lo- localised in that sort of context. Although we didn't, to be honest, we didn't realise until we actually w- did the customer research it's mm-hmm. what, it, itself. But uh, So is there any substance behind or is there any facts behind creating a website with a double O? Because a friend of mine just launched a site and she said, you know, things like Goop, Google have done really good with the double O. Is that a thing? I had no idea, but we we went with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a fantastic logo and it's very young, and I think it's really, really um, going to appeal to the generation younger than you and I, Stuart. Yeah, um, Unfortunately, so. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, twenty twenty has been a challenging year uh, for most businesses. How has uh, Hula experienced the year? Yeah, it's. Um, I was reflecting on it actually this this weekend, looking back as we sort of come towards the end of the uh, at the end of the year, um, and and I sort of think back to the beginning of the year. It was very positive. You know, we raised uh, our Series A funding round. You know, some fantastic investors on board. So you know, we were uh, mm-hmm. you know sort of very much looking forward to the year. And then all of a sudden, sort of February March hit, and uh, I think people were starting to. Uh, to react, perhaps uh, more so, I think, because of the uncertainty of not knowing how it was going to affect, um, you know, business and the marketplace and the economy, um, you know, across the world. Um, but um, you know, we were absolutely adamant that we we knew we had a, a great opportunity and business opportunity here to again continue to help mo- merchants and consumers. Um, you know, consumers perhaps are a little bit more thoughtful about pricing, for example, this sort of uh, in this sort of economic um, uh, economic sort of uh, period. Um, and then on the merchant side, obviously, they're looking to to even, you know, amplify some of those outcomes that we we provide to a merchant. And um, so they were really good, I think, um, drivers for us, and and that's where we sort of we felt that we had a you know really good opportunity. So, um, you know, we were very sort of positive, very optimistic, and we we started to invest in the business quite significantly. So, you know, ironically, obviously, there's a lot of companies that have and people have struggled, and it's t- terrible to read some of it. But for Ahula, actually, it's been a very positive year. Um, and hopefully we've given back, obviously, in that way mm-hmm. as well to to the you know our respective um, you know customers. Um, but um, you know we we sort of uh, July August um, sort of September we'd we'd uh, committed to building out our in-store um, solution. Um, that was sort of uh, you know we always plan to to deliver oh, it. Oh, tell us there. about that. You have an in-store. Yeah, so you yeah. can you have a there's the Hula app. You can go into stores like uh, like Nike and Puma and Furler if you're if you you know that's sort of the the brands that are you associate with. You could walk in there. You scan a QR code, Hula QR code in the in the store, um, and again you you walk out the uh, out the store having paid you know a third of the, a third of the price with the product. Incredible. Yeah, it's very I powerful. Mean, for a young person, um, that's really powerful. And I'm not just talking about, you know, things that people want to buy for vanity, but, um, you know, a young a young kid needs a, a pair of trainers to compete at school and mm-hmm. can't afford them at the moment. Family can't afford them at the moment. Yep. He's got a little bit more time. And yep. I think that's going to change some kids' lives. Absolutely. And, and some of the great partners that we've worked with here, you know, have really bought into it as well. You know, we've got department stores like BHG, for example, who mm-hmm. – 
um, have really sort of transformed their business and, and digitized their company. And, you know, Hula's been part of that journey with them. And it's been quite exciting, I think, to, you know, partner with a brand and a, and a company like that, and all the wonderful brands that they, you know, they also work with, uh, you know, here in Singapore. And it's, um, you know, it's been a, a, fa- a fantastic, I think, addition to, you know, our product, uh, mm-hmm. our, our product range. And it's been quite exciting as, you know, going back to the COVID situation, because it, t- it timed, you know, almost perfectly to when, you know, the stores started to open again. And again, when merchants were really looking to, um, you know, to recover and sort Regenerate of get back, in, exactly, get back yeah. into that sort of growth curve for, for the company. And that's where we've been able to support them, um, you know, which has been, uh, again, we've, we've created something which has really provided some value to them. And I think that's, you know, whenever you're, you know, uh, building a business, that's where you want to be, right? Something that they need, not necessarily just a, a nice to have. Absolutely. And you mentioned support and partnerships. How does Salesforce serve your business? Yeah, um, listen, we, we, um, we started off right at the very beginning with Salesforce. And I, I have a lot of, you know, experience of working, you know, with that technology. It was probably a, a big investment for us as a, a, a small startup at the very beginning. But um, I really felt that this was something that we needed to invest in now to give us that sort of core infrastructure, I think, to help us to scale and grow um, as we sort of went through the, the sort of different gears of, uh, of building the business. Um, and, and I'm glad that now, you know, that we're at the scale and size we are now that we, we did that because, you know, we don't have to go and, you know, move to anything else, for example. You know, there's no uh, we don't sort of moving data from one place to another. Um, and we've really been able to, I think, create a very strong strategic sales process, you know, around having this, you know, this sort of uh, this, this um, core system in place. And now mm-hmm. our, our business is really sort of, um, you know, built around it, really, at least on the sort of commercial side. So, you know, now we're adding and looking at adding that uh, the sort of marketing aspects to it and you know, the contractual aspects to it. You know, we're bringing in, um, you know, a, a lot of the sort of delivery and, and technology aspects to it as well. So it's a, a really powerful um in a powerful sort of system for us. And it's, it's, as I said, it's really helped us to, to get to where we are today. Well, I, I think that that, um, that has been an incredible partnership that you've had with Salesforce and also incredible work that you're doing for your partners mm. in the region. So it's just like a flow on effect, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and partnerships is a critical part of our business. You know, we, we often talk about merchants and consumers, but, you know, it's those partners, I think, that help us to, you know, create this, a lot of cliches here, but you know this ecosystem that we, mm-hmm. you know that we're building, where you know we. Oh, I love an ecosystem oh, drop, oh, Stuart. It's uh, like you've sat on entrepreneurial panels before. Absolutely, I've, done, I've done only a couple of them before, but uh, you know I've got all all all, all of the the uh, all the words, <laughs> all the cliches. Um, but it was, um, you know, I, I think uh, you know that's kind of where we we've really invested quite significantly for you know strategically in, in the business, and uh, ironically as well that Salesforce also have. Um, uh, some core technology for our for our business, where you know they have a shopping cart, for example, mm-hmm. um, and we've built a plug-in, you know, into the into the shopping cart too. So any of Salesforce's merchants that have, the, you know, the Salesforce shopping cart, they can literally sort of it's not quite as clicking a button, but almost there. They can have Hula, uh, you know, on their um, on their sort of uh, e-commerce site as well. So oh, it's, great. It, it really is a you know very sort of uh, well-rounded partnership, I think, with Salesforce. Fantastic. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to mention about um, Hula and what you do? Um, listen, I just uh, number one, obviously, thank you for the for the opportunity. Oh, this to, was so fun! Thank to, you to chat today. I, I'm uh, I'm uh, always sort of happy for for a good chat with uh, with everyone, as uh, as sort of most of uh, friends and colleagues will sort of share <laughs> with you. But um, you know, listen, it's 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 an honour, obviously, to sort of share a little bit about the business. You know, we've uh, we've spent a good sort of uh, three years building. 
you know, building the company now, you know, we've got some fantastic partners, fantastic, uh, you know, sort of loyal consumers as well. And, um, and a great bunch of people in the business too. And I think that's probably made the biggest difference. You know, we've even had customers, you know, merchants come to us and say, listen, you know, we want to work with you just because of, you know, uh, just because, you know, the passion that, you know, your team, you know, have for the, for what you do. And like, that's something we've really invested in. And, uh, you know, we, we've even given them a name as well. We've, uh, we, we call our, uh, our team the hooligans. So, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, there you go. Well, maybe that's a sort of a good place that's to finish. New, new t-shirt at the back. Actually, I do want to tap into that a little bit because we have had offline conversations about this before about company culture. Mm. And so passion is obviously a big part of Hula. What are some of the other things that we can leave everyone with in terms of, you know, the culture you've tried to build mm. as an entrepreneur myself, I can say having worked for many other, uh, global organizations, um, and local organizations, you get a really distinct idea of how you want people mm. in your company to work and feel when they come to work every day. Yeah. So what are some of the things that, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and listen, this is, this is probably one of the things that, um, you know, we thought about right at the very beginning, which is quite interesting. And I've spoken to a lot of people and it sometimes gets, uh, thought about after sort of three or four years and think, hang on a minute, we probably need to think about, you know, how we we sort of structure the people in the business. But we started with that. Um, and it was really important because we felt that that was the best place to create foundations, I think, of, of which to sort of build the company. And I, that was, I think it served us quite well, you know, especially when, you know, people write to us and say, I want to become a hooligan. And it's a wonderful thing, I think, to, to receive that. I never, ever tire of hearing anybody sort of sending me a message, I think. So when uh, they, they cold email you to join the company and they just say, I want to become a hooligan yeah, that's from word of mouth because they've heard what a nice place it is to work. Yeah, or? absolutely. You know, great, good, wow. good, good place to work. Work, good, good people. You know, good culture. I think. You know, we've really uh, tried to invest in our people. We try and um, invest in, I guess, our business as well, which means you know it's quite a fulfilling, uh, you know, sort of role for people to come into. And, and it's uh, we, we've really tried to create this, you know, this good culture. And you go back to your question. You know, we we've we've really tried to think. I think about what the what makes a good you know hooligan when they when they come into the business. It's very much around. You know, we've talked about customer obsession, for example, or. You know, some people say, oh, we want to be, you know, focused on the customer. We want to be assessed by the customer. And that's not just, and again, this is a bit of a, you know, goes back to the sort of uh, ecosystem cliche, but it's internal customers and uh, the external customers, right? You know, it, and, and I, it's really important, I think, for everybody to be working together like it, like that and in, in that sort of way that everybody's a customer, for mm -hmm. example. And then it, it creates, I think, that focus. But, um, you know, we, we want people to to come in and, and, and sort of be, um, treat everybody else, you know, and how they would, you know, expect to be treated and expect that, you know, treat the company in the right way as well in that regard, as though, as though it's their, as though it's their own. Um, and we try and give back, I think in that way as well, and creating this sort of great environment for people to, to just be themselves and live their lives and, uh, and sort of. I focus. love that. Be themselves. So you like me, I assume have a low patience level for like bureaucracy and stuff like that so is that kind of what we've spoken about before i think that yeah well i have low patience level full stop but uh when it, when <laughs> do, it, well so do i actually <laughs> uh, but particularly for things that are political and time clogging yeah, i'm uh, yeah I've no, I've no time for that and and that's my sort of personality you know bad good or bad um but i think again that sort of contributes to to being a, a successful business and, and sort of moving us forward to, to mm -hmm. trying to achieve you know what we what we want to achieve and uh, again you know, we, we, we call it uh, high growth with a heart almost, you know, and it's, you know, we, yeah. we, we, we really do sort of aspire for, for great things, but, 
you know, just making sure we sort of take that time to reflect and, and again, focus on, you know, someone's journey within the business as well. And are we perfect? No, but do, do we absolutely have that focus? And it's a, it, I think it makes a better place to be. That is a lovely place to end off. Taking care of your employees and your customers at the same time is fantastic. Thank you so much, Stuart, CEO and co-founder of Hula. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity as well.